Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Welcome to an unusual episode of the Zwiftcast with myself, Shane and Nathan all in the same place at the same time. We're in Las Vegas for the inaugural CVR World Champs where Shane was competing and that's a story which we will be exploring because uh, it's quite a story. And Nathan was commentating with just a little bit of help from myself. Heads off, sprint, finish. The crowd's starting to go wild out here. They're cheering on their favourite racer, Simon. This is insane. This is an exciting race. Look at Scotty Vice go there. Look at the effort. Look at it. We are going to assess the results and the event. Plus, junior Zwifting. One dad and his lad talk about the benefits of Zwifting with the kids. And we've got the usual roundup of Zwift, chat, gossip and news. Okay, boys, well, um, how weird is this? Uh, we're sitting looking at each other right in the eye, in the same place, at the same time. We're not on a Skype connection. We've got no delays. We can look at each other in the eye. We've already posted some pictures, some of which have been heavily doctored by our friends in various groups on Facebook, uh, but all in lots of, uh, all in good spirit, I think. Um, so, Shane, this is, in fact, slightly weird, isn't it? It is indeed. They say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I think what's happened this time is what happens in Vegas goes on social media. And uh, we've had a lot of fun. So uh, it's been great to, uh, yeah, be part of it all. Nathan, three of us in the same place at the same time. How, how's that for you, dude? Well, what's odd is I was thinking about this a little bit and it's almost uh, oddly natural to me. Like all of a sudden we just went into step into relationships that we formed online and it was like we knew each other really, really well. And it wasn't like this getting to know people. It was just like, boom, right into how's it going? Okay, we do this. And, you know, we're all used to this process of Zwift racing or commentating or jumping into the Zwiftcast and we kind of really know each other's quirks and the way we work and everything. And it was actually really in step. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Actually, we did actually greet each other as old friends, which I guess, in a sense, we are. Um, now, uh, we've been in Vegas. It's not a place you would associate. Well, it's a place you'd associate with a lot of things, and it's probably best we don't have that conversation here. I have to say, it's not particularly my favourite place in the world from what I've seen, but, you know, whatever floats your boat, as they say. But the thing that surprised me, and I've not got out yet, I'm going to do that tomorrow, but I know you two guys have got out. This is actually a surprisingly bike-friendly place, Shane. Yeah, for sure. Look, the first thing I did is jumped on Strava heat maps, which any city in the world you can see where people ride most often. And there was a, ro a drive called Ulta Drive, I believe it's called. Now, Ulta takes you from downtown straight out to Red Rock Canyon. It is a brilliant road. We sort of, we hide our bikes out there, rode back in Alta, rode back out the next day, Red Rock Loop. I loved it so much, I did it again. A bike lane all the way. The roads are beautifully smooth. So for a time trialist, I love it. And uh, the Red Rock Loop is brilliant. So we've had an absolutely amazing time over here riding our bikes. Not really wasn't what I was expecting at all. Yeah, I, I was really surprised. Even in the city, there are, there are, there are bike lanes. Um, 
Nathan, you've been out hammering it, but hammering it with a purpose, actually, because you actually have been riding with some of the guys who were competing in the men's race today, which we're going to talk about at length because it was a very exciting race, not least for the participation of uh, one Shane Miller. And uh, we will get to that, you dark horse, you. Um, But... uh, 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 you actually did just a little bit of checking out of some of those some of those guys while you were riding with them, I think. I was out with Justin Pierre Kim Little, and Yurns Templar. There was a little double wheeling on the front going on, and Kim and Yurns were hanging on. I think at some point Yurns was like, I'm going back, dude. I already raced. I'll see you guys later. And, and I'm looking for a workout. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, I only got two hours. I mean, it's getting dark. You guys get to race. You rode your bike 50 miles yesterday. I was at the test event all day yesterday. I need to get some hammering in. So uh, so me and Justin were kind of pushing at the front and having some fun with it. And I could tell people were, like, talking on purpose to see if others could talk still <laughs> a little bit at times and stuff. So that was kind of fun. Those and, old yeah, those tricks. Yeah. Those old tricks. being used. So we had a lot of fun. And, um, and then I went off solo and just kind of did – hammer effort and the most crazy Las Vegas win I've ever felt mm. in my life and almost got blown over but then uh, came back for this so it's a good day I couldn't believe how many bike lanes if you no matter you get lost or not lost no matter what road you're on there was a bike lane I couldn't believe how bike friendly it was there's enough room out here to build big roads and everything's big even the breakfast buffet did we talk about that <laughs> that was big <laughs> now everything sure is big and it is surprising the number of bike lanes what is also surprising is Shade's performance in the race and let's just deal with this at the top of the podcast and we'll come back to it in some depth the um, the kind of bigger implications of of the race that we've seen today and Frank Garcia's ambition and the 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 uh, staging of it in the esports arena they're all really interesting things to talk about but more interesting than that Shane Miller is your dreadful dreadful talking down of your chances counterpointed with your actual performance in the race today which was i have to say completely sensational i mean well done uh, let's just for viewers who may not or listeners who may not have caught up yet and you better find it on on ccl uh nathan you just call it really because that was the tightest race and shane finished second and ah, man it was exciting wasn't it oh yeah it was definitely right to the line i mean the you know, we thought, for those of you who haven't seen already, Justin Purificati off the front for a full lap on the last lap of the first ever CVR World Cup. And, you know, that's a 23-minute effort, 22-minute effort or so that he's going to have to hold off all by his own. He holds on to 20 seconds, essentially the entire lap. And then on the last climb over Governor Street, he's got a pack of five strongest dudes that have ever been seen out on Zwift chasing him down. And in the last 500 meters, the llama comes flying out from the pack with 11 watts per kilogram to try and chase him down and take it at the line. And it comes down literally to half a wheel at the line. I mean, there's plenty of pictures floating around all over. Odie he's posting them i think shane's got one too as well i mean a lot of people were in game snapping shots i think to see exactly what was happening so it was one of the most exciting finishes and uh shane said that he was just gonna be off the back right from the get-go and then as the race went on we kept on talking about how well he's still there well he's still there and oh it looks like he's there at 500 meters to go attacking everyone and dropping them (laughs) 
I have you on tape, Shane, talking down your chances. In fact, when I get back and uh, to the UK and start editing this, I might just reprise your uh, appalling tactics of, 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 of trash-talking yourself, actually. But, actually, in all seriousness, congratulations. That was a fantastic performance. I mean, you, you mastered that race, man. I mean, I, I expect, I have to say, I expected to see you go on the first climb, but you stayed with that pack. And you looked, actually, as though you were well in control of that race. I mean, good performance. Well, first of all, thank you. And I think no one was more surprised than myself. I really was actually telling the truth with all that. I've been training, sure, but I've had a look at these guys' numbers. There's some serious numbers here. And when we're analysing the latest Flanders numbers and stuff from the Pro Tour, I mean, these guys aren't too far off. So my approach for this race was to stay away from the buffet. That didn't work. I weighed in this morning at 74. Well, sorry, that was rounded up. It was 73.5, but they rounded me up to 74. And that was early this morning. So this is all legit racing and the height and weight. So I'm like, 74? Scotty's weighing in at 57? I'm thinking, oh, oh. So no, really, I was, I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm going to have to race this as smart as possible, as, as smart as I can. And I'm sure if anyone's seen the replay, have a look at the hills. I start sort of mid-pack. And I'm just dangling. And over the top of the hills, I had to employ every tactic I use outside and racing for probably the last 10 to 15 years. I had to employ that today. So it was raced more with my head than with my legs. And over top of every hill, I was dagged a little bit. I was hanging off the back. I was just sort of swinging in the wind. But I put in an extra five seconds or 10 seconds over the top of those hills. And every time they backed off, I was back on. I'm like, okay. And I think that one of the last hills, I even gave a fist pump because I was still with the last five. And we were all, just the tactics, I mean, I could talk for hours about the mind games and I was just going through my head. So I was racing that with my head, looking at the numbers, the actual overall average of that race was just below my FTP. So that the pace of the race suited, suited me you. just perfectly. Yeah. So like we're in Vegas, the cards could have fallen any way and they fell in my favor. Well, not, not quite. I didn't get the win. But I was very, very surprised at the results. I can't remember the last 400. It was just on. But I went back and had a look at the numbers, and I think it was near on five to 600 watts for a minute. Wow. Um, but the only thing that allowed me to do that was that I was just below FTP for most of the race. So watch the replay. There's some real – that's all tactical, all tactical. You, di you definitely did race very smart. I mean, uh, I got – Slightly carried away by the excitement in the in in the final moments, as 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 did as did as did Nathan, and I'll I'll probably just play in a bit of a clip of the final ten seconds here because I mean it was stunningly exciting. Meters, Pierre Bricotti, six six point five, but somebody's gonna have to kick it up into gear now and go four seconds. Oh my goodness, will he pull it off for Team ODZ at this point? Shane Miller now. Shane here Miller comes is still Shane there. Miller, no Miller way. is still there. Oh my goodness, Miller is going. He's been waiting. It seems like in the Unbelievable. Oh my goodness. Said that he was not going to be part. Look at the effort there coming from Pierre Bracani though. Three seconds off the front. Miller's trying to close it down. Three seconds. Nine watts per kilogram. Oh my gosh. Will the llama do He's it? He's getting him. He's catching be? him. Oh He's catching gosh. him. We've got the top mode right now. Will the llama get to the line? Templar's going. Who's it going to be? It's so close. Shane Miller with 10 watts per kilogram. One second is the difference. Oh my He's getting goodness. He's getting him. He's inside. He He's going to go past him. Meters? Pierre Fricotti, I think it was Pierre Fricotti. Miller was right there. I don't know, we'll have to wait for the actual results. Followed by Templar for third, Kim Little for fourth, SW for fifth. Oh my gosh, what a race, boys and girls. That was so amazing.
I mean, major congratulations, Shane. I thought you raced a really smart race. And apart from anything else, you provided superb entertainment. I mean, I defy anybody who's interested in bikes or bike racing not to watch that and find the excitement in it. It was absolutely terrific. Really, a particularly really strong uh, finale for viewers. Really, really excellent. Um, and we will return to the kind of bigger implications of, of what we've seen today and what we've all been involved in today and, and talk through that shortly. But let's move on and just talk a little bit about some developments in game. Um, the Zwift eFondo, I was quite surprised at how successful that was. So Zwift partnered with the Maratona de Dolomites, which is a real-life uh, Grand Fondo, which, which I've done before, actually. Absolutely terrific race. Really, really superbly well-organised. It's not a race, sorry, it's a sportif. Lots of people treat it as a race, but it is, in fact, a sportif. But very, very well-organised event. And so we've partnered with those people. Uh, Maratona was, was surprisingly prominent, actually, in the publicity for, for that. But the important thing was that 1,300 people took part. And we've seen the success of, of group rides as kind of small-scale mass participation events. But this was, this was something else, I thought, Shane, actually, um, because it was a very challenging course. It was the pretzel course, and I think most people completed it. A lot of people surprised themselves. I think it was a bit of a glimpse into the psychology of mass participation rides on difficult courses. Do you think so? Yeah, for sure. Look, that was a brilliant event. 8.30 at night, I clipped in. I had to stay away from the caffeine gels because I wouldn't be sleeping after that. Um, we all hit it from the start. Everyone had, and I think we spoke about this in the last Swiftcast, everyone had their own finish line to get to at whatever speed they got to. They had someone to ride with and a challenge to sort of come up with on the day. If it was to, for me, in the last oh, few hundred metres, I had to get under two hours. So I was by myself, solo, you know, suffering like I was today. Um, but I wanted to get under two hours. That was my goal when I rolled across the line. Other people wanted to finish under three, under four. Somebody messaged me and said, oh, it took me five and a half. And I'm like, well done. That's a long time on the bike and a great goal to have. So I think the Zwift demographic, this is bang on e-fondos. I, I really like it. And it's, it really replicates what we're seeing out in the real world as well. There's a lot of people not really taking up bike racing, pinning a number on and I guess risking their reputation on a result. People are just pinning a number on and riding with someone who of their similar ability and just enjoying the day. And this was one of those in the virtual world. Worked really, really well. The thing I found very heartening about it, Nathan, was that, that there was a lot of feedback on social about people who'd never done the pretzel and probably would never have dreamt of doing the pretzel, but they managed to complete the pretzel, which is a tough ask, actually, on, on Watopia. That, you know, it's a pretty serious ride, that. But they managed to complete it because in the way that Monica Schlange, who we, 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 we featured on the, on the last Swiftcast, completed her personal challenge because she was in the company of other people. Lots of people completed the pretzel because they were doing it with a mate or they were doing it with some friends or they were just doing it with Compagnon de Route that they picked up along the way. Well, they uh, had to beat the person next to them. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting, Nathan, do you? I think the combination definitely of... Cycling Made Social, what they've done, along with an event and the idea of it being timed. Um, I think you put an event out there that a lot of people are going to do together. And and it's in this social environment where you know all these people are showing up and are going to try and complete it together. You know that there's a community of people trying to complete it together. So that's a little bit different when a whole community of people is trying to accomplish something. It gives it a little bit more... Um, 
uh, validation in your mind that I need to do this with these other people that I've completed this too. You know what I mean? And so I think that that uh, gives people that extra oomph, that extra motivation to get out there and get it done. Big success for Zwift, definitely, definitely a big success for Zwift. To, to, to some extent, kind of confounded my expectations because it was a tough course. Um, we're going to be very nice to Zwift on this podcast, actually, Shane, <laughs> because uh, another big success for Zwift, and so, something that I, I, I personally thought that they handled extremely well was the film that they made with Matt Heyman, uh, uh, which looks as though it's going to be part of a series called Zwift Stories. Now, for those people who don't know, we're actually recording this with just a few hours to go before Paris-Roubaix, which is just, well, for me, it's one of the best races of the season. It's just a fantastic race. And the one that Matt Heyman won was not only an immensely exciting race, but it just had that incredible emotional resonance of, of Matt Heyman who, who who had ridden on Zwift and, and had been a friend of the community, winning a, a monument like that. It was, it was it, it, in all manner of ways, it was a fantastic win. And a publicity dream for Zwift. I mean, a dream. And I don't think that they milked it. I don't even think that they used it to excess. And with the one-year anniversary coming up, they got a very well-known and very talented filmmaker to make a film about how Matt Heyman used Zwift to complete his training, not not do all his training, which is a bit of a myth, actually, that, that, that has arisen. It's, it wasn't all his training. It, it managed, it, it, it allowed him to complete his training in the face of an injury. But the film itself is very sparing in the use of Zwift. And it's not one of those in-your-face, bang, 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 promotional videos that you see and I, I quite respected Zwift for that what do you do you share my uh, my 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 niceness to Zwift on this 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 uh, this feature I do I do I saw this actually the start of this being put together in or oh, late last year and I believe Corinne was a filmmaker behind this and the storytelling and the angles of the shots and the setup I saw a little bit behind the scenes and I knew it was going to be something special um, and you're right, it's not a marketing tool. It wasn't a, you know, pushing this or pushing that. It was just telling the story. And these days, that's what it's all about, just good storytelling. Um, and it's, it doesn't encourage people to go and buy Zwift or jump on Zwift, but it just shares an experience that you feel good watching. And that's what it's all about. Well, we're all on Zwift anyway, aren't we? If we're listening to this, of course we are. But it was just a brilliant little piece. And uh, yeah, as you said, the race is on in a few hours. Can't wait to see the result. Look, anybody who wins Paris Bay, what a legend. So let's let's see tonight what happens. Yeah. Uh, Matt Heyman has many, 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 many friends on Zwift, but the, the film Nathan, it was almost sublim subliminal in its in its promotion of Zwift, which is quite brave, I think, for for them to do that. Because do you know what? I think that film cost them a few a few quid because there was lots of uh, footage in there from ASO, which does not come cheap. <laughs> uh, and you know, there's a substantial investment in that, but it was done in a, a restrained way. Yeah, I think, I mean, right up front, it's it's uh, obviously a Zwift production, right? And it shows it right up front, and so that's obvious. But then the uh, the story is Matt's. That's what they focused mm -hmm. on. Matt won Perry roubaix And that's really what it was about, and that's what should be featured in the story, right? And then Matt was able and free to talk about how much he liked Zwift, how much Zwift helped him to win Perry roubaix And so it, might, it was subliminal in the in the idea that the main message is Matt won Perry roubaix That was his efforts that did that, but Zwift assisted him mm -hmm. in doing that after an injury. And we've heard that story over and over and over again. And I think that was exactly how it should be done, actually, is that... 
Zwift's an amazing tool that people can use in a lot of different ways in order to get their training, their riding, and their enjoyment of cycling done. And Matt, use it to win Perry roubaix mm -hmm. Good work, Zwift. Very good work. Yeah. We're very pleased with you for, <laughs> for that approach. You've got, you've got a big thumbs up. You've got a, uh, multiple ride-ons from the Zwickast. I'm sure that means an awful lot. I'm sure that means an awful lot to you. And, and the niceness continues, actually, because one of the, um, one of the few developments we've seen recently in, in the most recent update was this ride report. Uh, which Shane's making a bit of a face about, actually, and Nathan's giving a thumbs up too. So, Shane, come on, you get the other retaliation in first. Do you not like it? I mean, I thought the level of data that is now provided is, is, is getting towards resembling something that you want at the end of a ride. Yeah, my ride's over, though. Like, I want the Zwift experience from kilometre zero to kilometre wherever I finish. That's what it's about for me. So it's the in-game experience that I experience from start to finish. That only comes up at the finish. If I want to analyze my data, I jump over to Strava, or if I really want to jump into it, I can use other services such as Golden Cheetah or Training Peaks, Today's Plan, etc. So whilst it's nice and pretty, I, I personally haven't gotten any use out of it because I look at my data elsewhere anyway, and that's the groove that I'm in. So, and given it only pops up right at the end, no, it's a nice to have, and it's good to see development in this area. I want some more in-game improvements. I want that steering. I want those crosswinds. But you're a bit of a super user. I mean, to, to, to the more novice rider, the person who doesn't finish second in a tight finish in a World Championship Zwift race, Shane, um, you know, I think that kind of level of, of new data that they're providing at the end of the, at the, end of the ride, Nathan, is, is quite useful. Yeah, uh, my favourite. So I think the, uh, the data that's being given is, is good. It's, it's, it's good data, uh, especially, like you said, for somebody who's b using basic, basic data when it comes to uh, a ride report, when it just comes to, like, here's the numbers, here's the peak power, here's the critical, you know, all the critical powers, here's your timeline, all that stuff, showed you where you ro rode, that, that's a cool map and everything. My favorite part about it was the social side of it. Um, there is no section in game whatsoever right now for me to be able to see who I was riding with and friend them yeah. and be able to follow them and all that stuff. And so everybody who... Hang on, Nathan. Good point, Nathan. <laughs> I'll chip in there. Yeah. Yes, actually, good point. That is a very, that. No, it is a really good point. The data I, analysis, I've looked at that and like, are they firing a shot off at Strava? Yeah. Or, but no, Nathan's, yep, okay, hats off. It's now easier to follow people and that is so welcome. So I, I, yeah, so I'm definitely down with that. Really cool yeah. um, that I can go through and see everybody who gave me a ride on. Mm -hmm. The one at the top seems to just give me three people, though. Unless I, with? unless I, yeah, that I rode with. Unless I scrolled incorrectly, I ha maybe I didn't. I haven't checked it out quite enough. We went through it on a live stream a little bit, and I was, I was like, oh, here's a new feature, and I had to go to sleep or something, and I was like, all right, I'm going. I've only I'm ever seen three at the top out. as well. Yeah, I've only ever seen with. three, yeah, so yeah. I just feel like maybe. Um, a few more than that at the end of the ride report. Also, I think the ability maybe to see it live and follow things yeah. live would yeah. be a little yeah. bit more interactive. In, in That'd be, yeah. you know, I, I would like that a little bit more, but I think it's headed in the right direction. My daughter, Karis, actually, the other day, before I went over to Zwift, to HQ, I was like, oh, I'm going to Zwift headquarters. She's like, you need to tell them that when I'm riding with my friends, I need to be able to friend them so that I can ride with them again because I don't know how to find my friends on Zwift. So, and this is my seven 
seven-year-old. Or I mean my nine-year-old. Sorry, my nine-year-old. My seven-year-old Kyle was saying the same thing right next to her. But my nine-year-old's like, you tell Zwift I can't find my friends. <laughs> so the juniors want to know how to find their friends. Um, live, I think. Uh, but I think afterwards, being able to see it now, who gave you the ride-ons and everything, that's all really, really great. Because you don't track those at all either, too. Like the, the, That's something I wasn't even expecting. To be able to see who gave you ride-ons. That's like a, like the appreciation it's thing. It's been hidden in the dashboard you know? for years. But it's a hidden thing in the dashboard. If you go to the dashboard, click on your ride activity, and then click on the thumb, you can... Too complicated. Too correct. complicated. Correct. Too much yeah. friction. Yeah. You're all about Too not having yeah. friction, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Nathan, I'm very glad you mentioned your seven- and nine-year-old kids because God, it's almost like we rehearsed this, isn't it? <laughs> and I have to say we didn't rehearse this little bit, but... Uh, the next feature is about... Well, I actually asked people on the last Swiftcast to, to get a hold of me if they if they Zwifted with their kids, basically. And uh, a guy called Andy Tuff got in touch with me to tell me about his son, Daniel. And Andy and Daniel are a father and son who represent what seems to be a growing constituency of Zwifters, and that's uh, parent and child exercising together... Uh, either uh, well exercising either together or with the parents supervising the child's activities so let's hear from Andy and most importantly Daniel right on um, Andy you first um, how long have you been on Zwift so I started on Zif, Zwift in, on August the 22nd thank you Daniel um, I had plantar fasciitis uh, last summer and had to take some time off running and Zwift seems like a perfect way of getting more use out of my turbo which has been languishing in the basement for quite a while and, and how do you use Zwift I'm quite involved in uh, team WBR um, with the group rides before work 530 igniter ride is a, a really good workout and I can get that done and then get the boys up and to school um, before going to work myself. What What would you say your attitude to Zwift is? Uh, I mean, are you are you an addict? Um, do you still cycle outside plenty? <laughs> it's something of an addiction, um, but hopefully in a good way. I, in the reality, with two small children and living in um, suburban London, it's very difficult for me to get outside to train on the bike. Uh, before kids, I would you know, happily get out for four or five hours on the weekend, but it's just not possible now. But at the moment, uh, SGP is rising, um, doing well to sort of Category B, sort of uh, moving up to the top half of Category B. Let's let's get on to how you came to be dual swifting. Oh, maybe you don't dual swifting. Maybe it's alternate swifting with Daniel. But how did that come about? He had um, been increasingly coming downstairs to the basement to watch me uh, on the bike. He is. Uh, a big fan of cycling and uh, he's also very good at maths and he really enjoys the numbers side of things so he was quite interested in seeing what watts I could hit how my watts per kilo were working out and whether I could uh, be pushed a bit harder with a bit of encouragement on the side <laughs> what do you think attracted Daniel's attention I mean uh, obviously there's the cycling thing and the uh, and the numbers thing did the graphics grab his attention just the whole sort of uh, combination of those factors. And I think the video game elements of, you know, the extra points for miles done in new jerseys and new wheels, all that kind of stuff really appeals uh, at his age. But I think really it's just that concept of seeing people cycling and racing and having it so accessible in the house where for us, you know, it's in, in a big city, it's very difficult to get out to those kind of events on a regular basis. But he can see it, admittedly it's in the virtual world, but he can see it. Yeah, well, I, I know Daniel's gagging to get in, so so let's let, let's get Daniel on. Daniel, what do you like about Zwift? It's really good exercise. 
And we can go really fast. Yeah, well, they are very appealing elements to cycling. That much is for sure. So how did you get to know about Zwift? By watching Daddy in the basement. And does he look like he's working hard when he's on Zwift? Yeah, I remember that you beat him in a sprint finish once by a nanosecond. Did I? <laughs> well, actually, I think Andy does, or your daddy does, the similar types of events to me. And I actually think we're, we're quite close rivals. Which is your favourite course? Richmond, because I don't do Richmond as much. I mostly do Utopia. But when I, but when I finish the Tron bike and I've got to Italy and California, I'm going to to either be riding on London Classic or Richmond Flats. Well, I, I tell you what, if if you if you're a fan of Richmond, I think that makes you uh, that makes you a very experienced Swifter because it's only the best Swifters that like Richmond. Um, now, um, which is your favourite bit of Watopia? The mountain. Is it? And have you got all the way to the top? Yeah. And what's your what's your best time? For the way where it, where it takes three miles. To get there, my best time for that is 33.56. Is that for the King of the Mountain? Yeah, that's for the King of the Mountains. That is a pretty good time. Andy, uh, what, what, what benefit do you think it brings to you as a family and, and Daniel as an, an individual um, being a six-year-old Swifter? Through the winter, it's a great way of him spending an hour or so um, pedalling away. Um, I think it's... He's, he's very active anyway. He's um, into doing junior park run and the full park runs as well. So he's very active. And it's really just another way of um, um, getting him to exercise in a way that um, is safe. You know, it's indoors. And he can also try and push as hard as he can. It's, he's quite competitive even at early, an early age. But um, I think it's also good for him to realise that there are always quicker people out there. And it's not always about winning something. It's about taking part in it. But also um, improving against your, your own times and... Um, and charting that progression. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be very difficult to get kids to exercise, uh, and, and often, certainly with my kids. I don't know if it's the same with yours. If if Dad says do it, then quite often the opposite might be the outcome, rather than uh, rather than the desire. Do, do, do you think you know because he kind of saw you doing it, that was why he wanted to do it without being kind of pushed into it, sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the impetus from uh, for that really came from from Daniel. It wasn't a case of me pushing him at all. So I think with that kind of engagement from him, it was really obvious that he was going to enjoy doing it. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure a lot of parents would be interested in in the setup. We should perhaps follow up on the Swiftcast listeners page. Do you have any any concerns? Because you know, uh, in the end, Zwift is the internet, and sometimes the internet's not the safest place for kids. And I'm not saying Zwift is an unsafe place by any means, but 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 it is the internet. Yeah, absolutely, and it's something that we are uh, well aware of. I mean, both my wife and I are um, you know, mindful of the you know, the sort of the potential risks. But my sense is that it's of limit. It's of lower risk than potentially other scenarios. Um, you know, the nature of the Interaction on Zwift in terms of giving ride-ons is is pretty limited, um, and you know um, the sort of the chat function functionality is is again um, sort of limited to text. And you know, whilst Daniel's riding, he's concentrating on riding, not worrying about texting. Um, and my personal experience is that the community um, is very welcoming um, and very inclusive, 
and we've never had any issues. Um, well, it's just it's great to hear stories like this. Absolutely fantastic, and it it, it is a really good tool actually for get, for getting younger kids into exercise. I think. Um, so, Daniel, here's your chance to give everybody who listens to the Zwiftcast a ride on. So, let's hear your best ride on. <laughs> Andy, it's, it's been a delight to talk to you and to Daniel and uh, a really nice story. Thank you very much for coming on and telling us about it. Right on. OK, Shane, um, I didn't include it in the feature because it was just like too complicated and I might actually put it on the Zwiftcast listeners group or, or maybe the Zwiftcast.com site. But Andy had to go into quite some level of detail to get exactly the right setup for Daniel, who's only six. He had to buy him a special trainer and there was a lot of messing about to do with wheel size and yada, yada, yada. And it's my impression, it's only anecdotal stuff, but it's my impression that parent and child swifting is a thing so the question i've got for you really is do you think that there could be a trick that the hardware the trainer manufacturers could could slide in here and it goes might actually get us back to i know your least favorite subject of smart bikes but is there something is is there a bike now a family bike that everybody could use that could be adapted for 32-year-old dad and six-year-old son or daughter? Very good question. Um, and I see this more and more often, actually. So going back to why you know why a father and son would ride, a lot of the time to ride a bike and train outdoors, you're away from your family, you're away from home. So I can really see the, um, the attraction of this. And even with Nathan, you see the kids walking every now and then because dad's home and he's like, rather than out in the trails. Or, so it's a really good thing to see. Market size, I guess, would have to be looked into. Um, but you're going to have problems with, I mean, it's just the physical size. So different crank lengths as well as Q factor, I guess. I mean, you're getting a bit technical with Q factor and things, but crank length, seat height and reach. Um, and like the bike manufacturers, there's no bike that suits everyone in the real world. Well, out on the road, I guess, in a traditional bike sense. So I think that'll be a bit difficult. Um, but there's no reason why trainer manufacturers can't sort of accommodate either a smaller wheel in the design of new bikes or that as a setting. We see with um, the power meters now, we can set the crank lengths and things like that within the pedals or the cranks and things. So, yeah, smart trainers, I think they should or could quite easily do this to accommodate for kids. Um, but they'd also need to bring the prices down as well. Maybe have a two-for-one sale as well. So yeah. dad or mum and the daughter and the son can get two trainers ride side by side. I mean, we have saw today what it's like riding next to somebody, even indoors. It's a massive boost. Veronica and I always ride indoors together. If we're you know, both indoors, need to get a workout done, it's brilliant. We can really choose our own finishes or own goals and ride together. So I'm all for it, but it's about the market share. And I guess the trainer manufacturers know the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I guess we don't know how many parents and kids ride together. I know you've been pushing juniors riffing on, on CCL and, and doing some stuff with your own kids, Nathan. I mean, how big do you think this market could be? Are there lots of parents who want to exercise with the kids? I mean, there's some great reasons for it. It's very hard to get kids to exercise. You know, the childhood obesity problem is not going away. And as uh, Daniel said about Andy, when I asked Daniel why he'd got on Swift, it was because dad does it, you know, and he'd come down in the basement and watch dad and he wants to do what dad does. So could this be a big a bigger market than we think it is? I think there's a couple of things at play here as far as motivations go. I think there's uh, some highly motivated parents to get their kids to work out, right? Um, and so I think that there, that's there. I think that there's a video game 
that the kids go, whoa, graphics, mm-hmm. I want to make my avatar that, that's what That's what Daniel did. Yeah. I mean, and it was like, so the second that they see it, they want to start doing it. And then they all start opening accomplishments and things. I see my kids light up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think that there just isn't an awareness of kids. The games that they're seeing right now are mainly like, what's the latest... Uh, the Switch that came out for Nintendo lately or whatever it is that the latest game is that's being marketed to them. So they just don't even know that this is out there in any way because what they're attracted to is the gaming side of it. They're not quite as attracted to the exercise side of it except for that I know my dad or my mom or whoever it is works out though too and they like to ride in this game and then they they make that connection then at that point. Then the motivation kicks in, right? And so I see my kids extremely motivated. They also race. My kids race mountain bikes and we've had them racing mountain bikes before Zwift and so there's extra motivation there but I think that I have seen over and over again kids saying I want to do that wow that looks cool and it motivates them to pedal the bike then too you know because of the gaming side of it so it's actually coming at it from a different way that our market's actually been used to it I want to ride my bike and I need something to entertain me while I do it so I go inside and ride Zwift where it's almost the other way around with the kids there's a cool game and I ride my bike in it you see what I'm saying so it's like kind of a you're absolutely right and I mean Daniel Daniel bore this out there's no word of mouth so I asked Daniel I can't remember whether I put it in the piece or not, but I asked Daniel if he knew, if his friends knew about Swift or if he was, you know, the only one. And the answer back from Daniel was, my friends have never heard of it. Mm. Uh, so I said to Daniel, well, how do you explain it to your friends? And he said, basically, I don't because I can't, you know, and actually, I mean, even we sometimes have difficulty in explaining what Zwift is to people. So for a six year old to do it to his, 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 his friends could be could be pretty tough. So I guess, again, I mean, is this a long-term play for Zwift? We know that they're probably going to be broadening out to the fitness market. Uh, should, they be, <laughs> should they be placing adverts where six-year-olds see them, Shane? Good question. Probably not. I think we need to gamify it a little bit more. Um, just, I mean, being here in Vegas with the guys here, we, we've been discussing a few things, and especially the Nathan from the gaming side of things about glowing avatars for power and things like that. That's what the kids like to see. It's the eye candy that sucks them in. So there needs to be sort of just more of that and let it, like the adults, I mean, Zwift Beta was never advertised anywhere. We did that for them because we fell in love with it. So they need to do that for the kids. So gamify it, give them the eye candy, get them into being active and uh, yeah, see where it goes from there. Is is Junior Zwifting on ZCL going going well, Nathan? Has it got a, a significant amount of interest? So uh, some of our most popular broadcasts were with kids, with the kids actually. Karis it was huge. Week. Karis the other week, she you. did Karis ramps yeah. workout. So it's a workout she developed with me in conjunction with me, and it was essentially this ramp workout where it slowly goes into like tempo, and then it went into her threshold, and she held threshold for three minutes at the end of a tempo, and 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 then Llama jumped in, and Casey Shum actually jumped in, and all these people were riding with her and running. She was getting all encouraged, and she got new FTP. It was like it was just awesome. And how old is Karis? Karis is nine. Yeah. And she's out there hammering away, and everybody's blown away because, you know, at 150 watts, she's doing five, four watts per kilogram. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like she's tiny, you know? And so it's, it was a lot of fun. And we had a lot of other parents and kids come in from Zwift Juniors, which is a Facebook group that does organize rides on Zwift right now. And so we got a little motivation here to create a feature weekly, or we're trying to figure out how often we can do this with the kids, to try and create a group ride to encourage participation in a live environment, because the kids love to see themselves on the screen. They're like, I'm live on that, what? Cool, so cool, show my friends, you know what I mean? Like, And so this, it's, I mean, we got that also with the adults a little bit, obviously, but <laughs> it's a little bit more heightened, I think, with the kiddos. And they're all familiar with Twitch and everything. They, they get that whole world yeah. a lot more. And so. Uh, 
um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there and uh, I'd really like to help grow that. I mean, that's what Vision Cycling was about from the get-go, was growing a new generation for cycling. That's our tagline. And we're just all about the new generation coming up for cycling and how to just grow that and grow that. And I think having ZCL and Junior Rides is just another step. Um, at the same time, we need leadership around it. And uh, we're going to try and create that a little bit within house. But at the same time, we're going to need other people to come around that too and create some leadership and learn how to live stream and some other things in order to really create good program around it that can support. Because if you get too far ahead of yourself and you can't actually support it, mm -hmm. it, it, it just kind of it, it overruns you. You know what I mean? So uh, we got to find, uh, I can be a part of that leadership, but we're going to have to find other figureheads too that are really interested in growing junior cycling with Zwift. It reminds me, actually, the, there's a friend of mine, and he's an de absolutely dedicated outside rider. Uh, I mean, he, he will ride in rain, hail, or snow. But actually, he also Zwifts. And, and he was one of the surprising converts for me. But he's got a child, and uh, this friend of mine posted a picture of him Zwifting. I think he'd just done well in a race or something, and he put, he put it on, on one of the small groups that, I, that is associated with my local club. And uh, his son, I think, who was 12 or 13 at the time, responded and said, um, I've told you to get outside and stop playing computer games, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I thought was really funny. Okay, um, so uh, I think it's time that we should address the reason we're all here, which is the World Championships in Las Vegas. Okay, so this weekend has seen something of a landmark in the history of virtual cycling and racing, and it's been this huge event in Las Vegas which has brought all three of us here together. Uh, it's been very exciting, very impressive, um, and we're going to uh, dissect what we think it means or what it may mean in a few moments. But but let's just hear now some of the build-up, some of the rehearsals, some of the um, expectations of the event, uh, and then we'll talk about what we think it all means. So, Shane, uh, here we are in the Millennial Esports Stadium, which is a new one on me, dude. So, uh, for the listeners, explain what it is that we're looking at here and what we're seeing and what kind of place this is. It's an eye-opener. That's the first thing I can think of. Um, first time I've been to an esports arena, that's for sure. Um, lots of equipment, lots and lots of equipment. Um, I mean, for what we usually play with, this is some big boy toys. It really is. Cameras, lights, um, monitors, monitors, monitors. No, it's, it's quite a setup. this. We were just talking to the guys who, um, who set the business up or helped set the business up. And this, this is a converted cinema, I think. It used to, used to be cinema. So we've got steep drake seating here. I think it seats about 800 people. Basically, people come here to sit and watch other people play video games. It's going to be an interesting one. I guess playing a normal video game, you're not sweating too much. Um, there's probably a lot of yelling and screaming in that as well. But... It's going to be a very unique event here, I think, especially for the esports crossing over to real sports as well. Well, real activity, I guess, where we're sweating and uh, really putting our bodies on the line. So, like 20, 20 seconds to casters. Okay, so, I'm here with Frank Garcia, the, what should we call you, Frank, the architect, the architect of this event. Uh, the guy who had an idea. This is some setup, Frank. I mean, when you get here, obviously I've read about it, I've talked to you about it before, but when you get get here, get inside the venue, see the tech, see the screens, see the bikes, see the trainers, um, with people coming from all over the world, two races, a men's race and a women's race, this is the real deal, isn't it? This is. Uh, we are shooting for 
world-class, and I think we're hitting the mark. What would success look like to you after the events tomorrow? Um, success will be that we did an event at scale. Uh, it streamed well, it looked good, um, the athletes had a great time, uh, and obviously people watching the stream uh, thought it was engaging. Uh, that, you know, that'll be the success. There's a lot of tech here, Frank. I mean, this is covering Zwift racing like it's never been covered before. There is an amazing amount of tech. Uh, one of the things that's really surprising is how much tech is involved in, uh, you know, esports, Zwift. We all know, you know, hooking up the trainers, but you start hooking up ten of them and signal strengths. And I won't go into all the gory details, but there is a lot of tech. Um, Zwifters are less so these days, but I mean, certainly as early Zwifters, we're used to solving a few tech problems. Have you had any gnarly ones to solve here? We've had a number of gnarly ones uh, to solve. So uh, you put 10 trainers, 10 cadence sensors, 10 heart rate monitors, TVs, Wi-Fi, phones, uh, people bringing in you know, Garmin head units, and uh, suddenly uh, things don't look quite <laughs> as pleasant as you want them to look. So uh, a lot of time spent uh, ironing out those issues. We have apps that monitor all the health of all the stations, the arena as a whole. Uh, there's a lot of computing power going on. This is the inaugural. You know, I'm guessing your ambition is that this time next year or in a year's time, there may have been, I don't know, regional or national championships and we'll see, we'll see the World Cup here with, 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 with riders who've kind of really earned their place through competing in similar types of competition. Is that, is that the aim? It is. As we start sort of the training season in the sort of the northern hemisphere, you'll see qualifiers starting for the World Cup. Uh, well, you'll do some friendlies first, uh, make sure everything's working great. Then we'll have qualifiers in all you know various countries, um, and then if you win the qualifier, you get to come to Vegas and ride in the in the World Cup finals. So, by a quite extraordinary coincidence and some weird quirk of fate. During rehearsals, uh, when I was making it up as I went along, I managed to successfully and accurately predict Shane Miller's finishing position. In second position was Shane Miller, and the winner of the race was Scotty Vice. Jonathan Sandoval, what an effort here, coming from one of the dark horses, the wild cards have been thrown in the middle of this, coming out of Mexico. He waited for this moment after three consecutive climbs. This seems extremely tactical, actually, this attack, but Pierre Ficotti quickly covers it. We do see a couple of riders now coming off the back, though. Danish Mihaly is the next one to um, bite. The riders have dried themselves down and disappeared from the arena. Uh, it's about 15 or 20 minutes after the end of the race. Uh, we've had the post-mortem on the coverage, uh, which was not a painful experience because the general feeling here was that went very, very well indeed. And at the heart of a successful event like that has to be a great race. And the men's race, Frank Garcia, the organizer of these first CVR World Champs, was an absolutely class event, was it not? It was fabulous. Uh, I mean, just riveting, uh, you know, high energy, a catch, uh, you know, guy off the front, uh, being caught at the end, uh, you know, classic. Uh, anybody who enjoys uh, cycling and racing has got to enjoy that event. It was amazing. We were absolutely thrilled yeah i think i think it would be churlish and and i think you'd have to go a long way to find anybody to disagree with that if you like bike racing you must have liked that event i mean because that was kind of it was bike racing at its best it was virtual bike racing but real effort in a real real world environment what what have you learned from this because it's always been your ambition to take this forward in a bigger way 
I think this can be absolutely huge, more so now than um, I thought before. Uh, you know, you see this kind of race, you see these guys here in real life, and the racing is just amazing. And you get, you know, that blend, and then these guys are going to go back, and people are going to be able to ride with them, and, you know, they're going to race against Justin, and they're going to ride with Shane. And I think that's just an amazing sort of uh, piece together. I think that's what makes the virtual world so great. Uh, and all these guys can ride, um, you know, together from uh, all those all those different countries. And I just think it's going to be really take off from that perspective. It takes some time to build, obviously, um, but it's just going to keep growing over time. Okay, Shane, I'm going to come to you first because, well, you were the star of the show, dude, actually. You were the star of the show. I mean, you didn't win the race. You were second, but you... Uh, did so much, as did actually all the races, to make it such an entertaining event. And I know we were part of it, and sometimes it can be difficult to get the right kind of perspective when you're a part of an event, but I tried to stand back from it, and, and standing back from it, there was no way that that was not entertaining if you like riding bikes or racing bikes. It was a really, really entertaining event. How was it as... A rider, you you don't actually race that much. You're quite sparing in your racing activities, I think. What was the difference for you from racing alone in your garage to being up on stage with another nine sweaty, hardworking blokes? That's a good question. Yeah, well, I've raced. I haven't raced Zwift a lot because I've done yeah so much, so many years of racing outside. Inside, it's about efforts and about my zones and things like that. So within a race, you're never in your zone. You're in someone else's zone. I didn't find it any different. I've done a few similar things, I guess. So I was sort of familiar with other people, competition and things like that, and being up on stage and sort of having the spotlight in. I mean, I have my own camera in my face all the time. So having another one there was just, just yeah. part and parcel. So I just went through the motions, and you've got to block it out because there's a lot of sensory overload there. There was a lot. I mean, we had. I saw the introduction with you guys for the women's race. I'm like, this is pro. This is unbelievable. And even, yeah, I mean, it was an event of scale. Oh, I mean, I'm sure yeah. people have seen the pictures, but we were in a big auditorium. There's a huge screen. There was a yeah. PA system. I mean, there was a real scale to this event. But I guess what you're saying, which I find not particularly surprising, is when you're racing, you're in the zone. Yeah. And you're in your own zone. It was about, uh, I mean, I've done a video on the ultimate warm-up. I did that. That's the warm-up that I know and I was confident with. So there's no guesswork on, am I going to hit the line? Am I ready for that? Of course I was ready. I've, I know exactly what to do. So just go through the motions. And that actually calms me and relaxes me. Because if you're, I guess, having, if you're nervous, you're nervous because you're not quite sure what's coming up. I knew at the start it was going to be on. I could hear the commentary. I could hear, I could feel the vibe. The vibe was there, especially in the last few minutes. Man, that the roof lifted off yeah, that place. Yeah. But that was the only difference. But again, for me, it was purely, it's the only one thing you've got to do on Zwift or even in a cycle race, put the power to the pedals. Nathan, we were very immersed in the event. I mean, you in particular, because you were calling it and it was, it was terrifically exciting. And it is only literally two or three hours since the event has finished i mean you would have seen some metrics from how the stream did and you know there was a lot of money and a lot of resource and a lot of effort put into this and to be frank the numbers are tiny i mean compared to the background that i come from which is broadcast television the the numbers are absolutely tiny so is this a slow build start of something big or you know let me let me be rude is it a damn squib uh i don't think so um you 
So I don't think so as far as it being a waste whatsoever. Uh, the slow build idea, though, is just a reality of a new game uh, that doesn't have any foothold in esports whatsoever right now. This is the second event ever, and we grew from... So most of our events on Twitch gained uh, somewhere around 20 to 50 viewers when they're just virtual events. The first live event that we did went into the 200 range, and now we just increased that by 150% or something on the second event. On a percentage scale, we're not failing whatsoever. If we keep on growing the same percentages event after event, we start getting within the right networks and everything. It's right on track, actually, with being a huge success in what I've seen. Uh, knowing the Twitch world as well and kind of how things work there, um, you know, we are uh, we were extremely small little minnow that now has made us bigger splash and is turning actually into the next size fish, swallowing up a little, swallowing up what that middle used to be. And so uh, the conversations afterwards with uh, a lot of the entities that are connected in that world too, as far as esports go, is like, whoa, this is something. And so I don't think that... Um, I could be, do you know what, Nathan? I guess we're bound to say that, aren't we? Because, you know, even though we're occasionally crit critical of it, we all love Zwift. You know, I mean, we're all dedicated Zwifters. All three of us in different roles have been involved in the event. So somebody on the outside listening into this, I could just going to say, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a huge gamble by Frank. I mean, Frank Garcia, who's the guy who's staged this event and... Mm -hmm you know, to speak plainly, has sunk an awful lot of money into it. That It's a big gamble, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I think it definitely is a gamble. I think he sees something, though, um, that uh, can be a reality, though. You know, I think he's, he's got a dream. Obviously, he's got a vision. And uh, I think that um, he sees a lot of different market desires that could come together in one place, but you have to create that thing in, one, in, that, in that place, you know, kind of a thing. And so um, also... Knowing, here's the thing, I gotta keep coming back to this. Uh, the numbers are small. Um, here's the thing. When you look at games that are huge right now, 10 years ago, you know, Dota, the first inception of Dota actually, before Dota 2 even came out, um, their live streams five years ago were small. We're, we're, you know, even, even now, some of their live streams that are just straight virtual events and they're not land events and not major events, they're getting 500, 1,000 viewers or whatever that is. But when you go to the big event then from that, the, it moves into 50,000, 100,000 viewers live right there on, on the spot. And I think that um, that is somewhere that this can go. And the eSports world will only gain from bringing in all the people who can relate to cycling, all the people who can relate to a real-life sport in eSport, right? And so you've got all these viewers who will be entertained by the gaming side of things out there that just don't have any clue that this is out there whatsoever, right? And so as this rises up slowly in through each event, you get the game up there a little bit higher in the network, a little bit higher in the network, and then it gets a little more attention from the gaming world, and then you've got more people understanding what Zwift is. It's really early days, you guys. Yeah. Of course we've only got 500 viewers max on the concurrent, because it, it's extremely early days in Zwift still, you know? And so I think that there's a lot more growth to come. Uh, as Zwift grows, this will grow. As we continue to push these, these events, I think that the esports world is just going to go, what is this? This is real life effort that we are seeing from because actually it's almost like they want it they keep on showing the gamer trying to doing what they're doing and they're just, they're sitting there and that's cool they're amazing at they're amazing at what they do for their esport i am but they're not sweating away. they're not but, sweating no, but they're not sweating they're not moving and so they show somebody and they show their mouse movement which is takes a ton of effort these guys train eight hours a day 
every day at their team camps, just like the guys do at team camps in Tucson and all this guy's stuff on their bikes, and they get really good at their video game. They may, and they earn beyond six figures. I mean, they're, they're real deal pro athletes, right? Uh, as far as their sport goes, right? But uh, now we have going to the cam of the of the esport athlete and they're putting in a monstrous effort you can physically see going on that everyone in the world who exercises can understand and relate to and the esport guy who watches games relates to it too so you got good point no 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 but that seriously is a good point a little bit there about the viewership but i just see something coming that's all so as to the question of whether Frank is going to solve all the problems and then Zwift are going to waltz in and take this over, he clearly recognises the risk. Could Zwift do that? I mean, are they just watching and waiting and then thinking, OK, well, we'll let Frank uh, spend a load of money and sort out how all this works, solve all the problems, and then we'll just come on in there and take it over? Oh, that's an interesting one. I know Zwift were watching today. Very, very closely they were watching today. I mean, I get it's sort of, I guess, expected given it's their platform that was being used. Um, but I would really love to see them be involved. And they've also, I think they've been quite open about racing's not really their straight scene, you know, what they're really aiming for. Again, we talked about the fitness market before and we've talked about smart bikes and things like that, getting the, the broad market rather than the focused racing style of things. But what we've seen today though is the racing can be a really, really good spectacle and the messages that have come through and the feedback we've got from the stream and the live feed is, wow, that was inspiring. I'm jumping on my bike now. Again, for someone to set their own goal, not to maybe race, but just to do another 10Ks because they were inspired by what we saw. So I think I'd lo really love to see Zwift get involved. And one thing I did note from a technical point of view, I guess, from technical eyes, is today that a lot of the solutions that Frank's come up with, with his expert team, there was some tech behind the scenes they yeah, put yeah. together. Was yeah, uh, I was like, you've done that with that? And I understood it once the concept, but it was concepts that I hadn't thought of. Frank's got a team and put these things together. But there were a few hiccups here and there, time gaps and name tags and things like that. I'd really like to see Zwift integrate that and make it seamless. So there's no guesswork. It's just on the screen, bang, we can use those tools. Now, there's probably not a lot of work involved, I guess, from a soft, big software house to actually get done. Um, I'd like to see, I mean, I would have loved to have, you know, Zwift to have been there and promote this. I don't think we've seen anything from Zwift on this event today. Um, and given the amount of swell that I've seen on my social and across the... Um, CVR page, Zwiftcast page, Zwift Riders page, Zwift Oz page, you name it, XR, every team page has been talking about this, but nothing from Zwift. I'd really like them to see, sort of come along for the journey a little bit closer. It's an interesting one, Nathan. I mean, you will know better than us, given your gaming background, how these relationships work. I mean, but, but you know, let's not be coy with viewers. We, there's a Zwift executive that we all know who was, who was there today. And, and made no secret of his presence uh, and was clearly watching. Uh, what, I mean, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they do that? Is it in their interest to run this themselves or is it more in their interest to have a third party run it using their platform? Which would work best for Zwift, do you think, knowing what you know about Zwift and third party promotion of games? Uh, I think it's a false dichotomy. I think, I, I think it's not either or, it's both and. You create an open platform that everybody can use to promote events. That's the best way it's ever done. Dota, that's the way Dota does it. That's the way Hearthstone does it. That's the way they all do it. They all have open 
it's a it's a game anybody can log into and there's a broadcaster mode that everybody can have as an observer mode and you want to go promote event with that great we're going to promote events with it too and we're all going to benefit from it isn't this game awesome mm -hmm. um i think that that's kind of the best approach is that if people want to use your game to make awesome events that's only good for you mm -hmm. and if you want to make events with your awesome game that you made that's good for you too and so i think uh but the, but the one thing there and again let's not be coy with listeners because we have some contact with swift people and we do a bit of kremlin watching and kremlinology and we know or we think we know that there are some internal let's say discussions in swift about racing on the platform at all so i mean is is that a factor is is there a faction within the swift management is which is just saying we're not going to get involved in this because we don't think racing on the platform works or it's not it's not a thing we're particularly interested in i think we showed today though that it does work i mean it, it, like we just had verified trainers all next to each other with people weighed in and the heights there and everything it works and it doesn't all have to be major events like this. I've had been contacted by Toad, uh, looking at maybe, you know, Tour of America's Dairyland, looking at trying to create, recreate events, uh, interest from Cyclops, interest from all these different manufacturers that have local dealerships, that they have their trainers in, that they can just set up next to each other at that local place and have a bunch of local road teams come in and do exactly what we just did and benefit from it too with their own open events on an open platform that has a broadcaster mode. Mm -hmm. Anybody, this this isn't, I mean, it, what we did today was a major production, has huge scope, and is an awesome esports event. But people can do this locally with the local brew pub that brings in a couple of kegs, has a party, and does their KOM challenge like Shane's already been doing, actually, with verified trainers all next to each other. This is already being done yeah. at, a, at, at local levels, too, and is only beneficial, right? And so it's being done. It's verifiable. You just got to get people in a house together, and you can see. And the cool thing, like Shane said about it, is that you can follow everything everybody in the arena just like you can with track cycling mm -hmm. and so if we look at it as a new way of cycling mm -hmm. and not just and, and and not just as this virtual out there world thing but it actually is a way of cycling mm -hmm. that people can do in a closed environment where you can watch the effort of everybody that's very controllable very camera friendly mm -hmm. where you don't have to set cameras up in all these wacky places all over with motorbikes following them all over the place now I mean that's a really huge production to try and follow but you can create something with high-end athletes or, or whatever and athletes it doesn't matter in a controlled environment like that you've got great spectator sports Shane, tough question for you sorry you're the guy at swift making these decisions do you facilitate and encourage do you ignore do you observe or do you actively promote this stuff which i mean which would you do or, or maybe not which would you do which do you think it would be best for swift to do as Nathan said, the open platform that people can come along and use the platform to promote themselves. Because along the way, people will look at that and go, well, what is that platform they're on? Oh, it's Swift. And it just becomes the, the clinics of tissues, the Xerox of photocopiers. It's the indoor of cycling. It's the Swift. It's getting there slowly, organically. But this would just grow it through the roof. And as Nathan said, if people can just put in trainers and run events in God mode, broadcast mode, and... Zwift wouldn't have to pay for this. People would be broadcasting their game, the platform, out to promote themselves. And it's just in conjunction with. So it's a no-brainer. And uh, maybe even... Maybe it's just too big for them to, 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 to think big, about managing at the moment. I mean, you, 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 you know, you'd have to kind of manage these things on a, on a micro level. Or, or do you just let it happen? 
Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. Is I that mean, which is what they're doing that, at the moment. That, that, they're certainly not stopping here, it. Here's the thing. There's, 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 OW, there's Overwatch leagues. There's Dota leagues. There's all these, these leagues within these games that just open up on their own. If you build it into the platform with a broadcaster mode that people can set up their own, they're set up their own event. It's all in, So I can set up a Dota game with a 5v5 off, off the cuff. This guy, and they, they all sign into the game. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom from each team. And then I can set it up. Here's the rules of the game. Boom, boom. I push the start button and they fight and I can broadcast it from a god mode or what we call broadcaster mode, god mode. And I can watch it and I can cast. And I, and I have direct access with all these tools to then just shoot it right out to the whole world. Uh, okay, chaps, I think it's time to to uh, wrap this Zwiftcast up. Now, I've, I've kind of ripped up the running order a bit here because, it, as we've said a couple of times, it's not very often we're in the same place at the same time. So I've actually, on the on the fly, I've dropped a couple of features that we were going to run and we're probably going to run the chatty stuff that um, that we've been indulging in for a bit longer than we normally would do. And, and it's very race-focused, but actually it's also very Zwift-focused because it does suggest a potential direction for the uh, program and the game to expand and be seen by a completely different constituency of people. So let, let's just finish off um, trying to reflect on what we've seen today, which has only, only happened a couple of hours ago. But um, one last question. Nathan, do you think what we've seen today will change anything? <laughs> will it change? Yes and no. I mean, we're going to keep on broadcasting races on Zwift Community Live the same way that we have. But there's a whole, we doubled or even tripled our viewership in one stream, right? Around major, major broadcasts. And uh, I think there's a lot of new people who are going to be like, whoa, what was that? And so that'll change things a little bit where there'll be more chat around Twitch chat. It'll definitely change things about who we're talking to about racing. At the same time, it's not going to change anything. We're just going to keep on moving forward and broadcasting racing, uh, broadcasting uh, group rides, broadcasting workouts, broadcasting junior rides that we were talking about. I mean, we're all about the Zwift community, right? And and and, and really um, celebrating and focusing and showcasing the Zwift community and everything that it does. There's a lot of cool stuff besides just racing that happens in the Zwift community that we want to showcase. And we've been doing it awesome. We have not just me. I mean, we, when I say we, we're talking about people in the community who are rising up to showcase what they're all about. Zuskana with her gateway ride is one of our most popular features actually right now with her sub 1.5 gateway ride for women to get involved in the sport of cycling and be introduced to the world of Zwift and communication live in this virtual environment and hang out and ride and all that stuff so that's a bunny trail obviously down but saying that yes it changes a lot though at the same time that there's another little section here that's been called niche a whole lot that all of a sudden is getting a whole lot of attention you know and so um maybe there's going to be other players who come in and go we want to grow this side as with too you know and uh there's been contacts already today before the day was over that was like hey 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 this is really cool what are we going to do about this you know Shane, same question to you. Does it change anything apart from your Palmares? <laughs> I've got some more trophies in the cabinet. I'm happy with that if they get through customs. They're in glass, so they should be okay. No, I'm happy with that. Look, I think what will happen here is, well, I'm hoping, is the eyes on today's event, both today live and with the replays and all the chatter around it, who knows what doors it can open, what investors may see this, or what other champion cyclists may come in. And, uh, I mean, the community is growing, so hopefully it, it helps evolve and grow the community. And uh, yeah, you never know because, you know, somebody with really, really deep pockets might come in and say, hey, Frank, love what you're doing, mate. Let's partner. 
or Nathan, love what you're doing. Let's do it, you know, have some brand new ideas. And that's what's been great to meet everyone in person, talk about their ideas and their dreams and where they see things going. And uh, back on the community as well. Look, I'm all for the community. It's, it's such a great thing to be a part of. And I'm sitting here in my bath salts t-shirt. <laughs> To support the community as well, because a, a legend of uh, who's been part of my training for today's results is Mr. Mr. Bath Salts himself, and get to the chopper, um, who I think is somehow related to Bath brother, Salts. There we go. This is all the brothers. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's part of the community. So I have to send a shout out to those boys as well. So thank you to, for pushing me through my intervals to get me here. But again, that just goes to show people that I've never met have been a part of the result. And I think everyone in the community can also have a, a bit of a buy-in for this as well in uh, either just watching, commenting, supporting, and just sharing their experience of either watching, participating. And uh, I mean, who knows where this is gonna go? It's quite exciting times still. I mean, two years down the track since I jumped on board for Zwift, who knows where in two years it's gonna be? This does feel like a, a moment that we might reflect on in, in two or three years and, and we see how it shakes down. Um, it has been very, very enjoyable actually being able to eyeball each other and be in the same place. It would be great to be able to, to make that happen more frequently. There are obvious barriers to doing so. Um, I think we're trying to do that at the Eurobike exhibition in autumn. That would be great if that could happen. Um, really good to see you you guys in the flesh. Um, I really enjoyed today. I think it's quite difficult to get the proper perspective on it when you've been inside it, mm -hmm. either as a competitor or as a commentator, which all three of us have been. So it will be really interesting to hear some of the views from people who may see the stream, they might have seen it live or they might see the recording, the video on demand and uh, maybe they'll come on the Zwiftcast listeners page and we can we can uh, stand back and assess this and see how it looks in, 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 in a few days time. Thanks guys, uh, truly great to see you, really great to be in your company, thanks very much indeed for uh, spending some time when we're all actually quite tired and ready for something to eat and drink. Thanks guys. Yeah, that was great, thanks a lot Simon. Thanks team, let's hit the buffet. Well, there was one big thing that we haven't covered so far on the podcast, and that was the women's race. Um, we're not going to ignore it. Um, I spent some time talking to Lindsay Guerra and Von, uh, Lindsay being uh, Nathan's partner and Von being Shane's partner, who were both participants in, in a very, very good women's race. Um, we haven't covered it on this podcast. I'm going to save that because... I've also spoken to another two very, very interesting people uh, during my time in California, and I think we've probably got the um, the guts of a, what should we call it, a podcast feminine. Podcast feminine, it might be called that, but we're going to do a women's riding and racing podcast before too long, and the women's race in Las Vegas will feature in that. It's also worth just giving a bit of a plug here for another upcoming podcast, which is going to come quite soon, which I think Swifters will find very, very interesting. Um, a long conversation with John Mayfield, the creator of the game, and the guy actually who does still make the majority of the really, really big decisions um, in-game, which are what affect us as Zwifters, perhaps maybe more than any other uh, senior exec at the um, at the company. And John was, he was very relaxed. Uh, it was a very long conversation. I'm going to edit it, but not edit it very much. It is going to be in a conversational style, and that's coming up very soon. Thanks very much for listening. And as ever, 
uh, and perhaps even more this podcast. I want to say thanks very much for, to Zwift for supporting the podcast, but just as importantly, possibly more importantly, giving us the freedom to say what we want about the game, the platform and the company. Thanks very much.